life's a plate of cookie dough And you can try to eat it slow But you can miss it out So do right and let it work out Hey, I'm Dope's fearless leader and sober entrepreneur, Kelsey Moreta, and it's time to get real. Each episode, you'll hear raw conversations that feed your soul with entrepreneurs, movers, shakers, and honestly, just plain badasses. These awesome humans have navigated life's challenges and are creating a bright future. So let's dig in. You're listening to Dope's Soberpreneur. Well, everybody that's listening, we are coming at you live for this episode of Soberpreneur. It's a podcast with conversations that feed your soul with entrepreneurs, movers, shakers, and just plain badasses like these two. They've navigated life's challenges and gone on to create a bright future. We're recording this interview live during Sober Voices, a four-day virtual event celebration designed to inspire and connect you to new friends. I hope you guys have made some. And two of my new friends are here with me today, Mercy Bell and Alyssa Hart. We've got you guys on. You are two newfound Sober Sister friends of mine who joined forces on the original Sober Voices event and set off to build a wellness event empire of sorts that we'll talk about today. Some of the kindest, most creative individuals that I know and two soberpreneurs that know a thing or two about finding flow in startup land. So with that, let's dig in. Are you guys ready? A big, giant, warm welcome to Soberpreneur. Yes. Thank you so much, Kelsey. We're so excited to be here. And it is very surreal to be literally running this event as we are also in the event. I might be texting with our chat moderator, you know, <laughs> making sure it all works, making sure it all works. I but love it. for having us. You guys are so awesome. And you have the most peaceful voices. I love any call I have with you too. You guys just give me some Zen in my day. <laughs> it's like, I need to record some meditations for mercy with this calming voice. I do not. I'm almost Canadian with my Midwestern accent. So but they're calming. calming, both calming in their own right. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Let's jump in. Let's jump into your guys' story. How long have you guys known each other? And I think you just met in real life recently, right? You made this IRL official. Yeah, we connected over a LinkedIn post of all things around the holidays. And Mercy, you know, kind of really resonated with what Sober Voices was building and came on almost as like an advisor. And what that evolved to was us incorporating a business together entirely remotely in uh, mid-February. And we uh, started building these events together, both within sobriety and we did another project. But that was, again, like only pandemic happening. Would you ever incorporate a business with someone like over Zoom that lives in a different part of the country? Than you? <laughs> yeah, we're 2,000 miles apart. I am from Boston. Alyssa's in Austin. So truly, there were months of us working together side by side on big projects with like absolutely no idea of like even how tall the other person was. And I was not pleased to find out she is very tall. Or she's just very short. Oh, how dare you. How dare you. <laughs> Murphy, I feel you. You guys haven't met me in person either. I'm 5'2", rocking some heels today and trying to give myself a little elevation. But it is always a shock when someone sees you for the first time because like Zoom, we're all six feet tall. Who knows? Like I could be a model. You just don't know. That is awesome though. And it's funny. I went through this world of like, should I get a co-founder even starting my business? And I can't imagine being like, yeah, sounds good to like a lady on Zoom. So you guys are just awesome. You like synced up so well. And this focus you've had on events around recovery and sobriety, what's the personal time for you guys? You know, Mercy, let's start with you. What's your recovery journey to be where you are today? Yeah, I like when I'm like, it's my time to answer. I'm like leaning into the mic, but I just, I do <laughs> want to make sure my story can be heard. 
I always try to answer it honestly in the moment because my experience has been that my recovery journey looks different on any given day, depending on like how I'm taking care of or not taking care of myself. There are days I feel like my recovery journey, it just feels like a failure. I have five years of no drinking, no drugs. And some days it just feels like, why can't I still cope? Why can't I just like go through stressful, high adrenaline situations feeling amazing? And then there are other days where like my recovery feels like even more than pride and like, like I've done it. I feel so grateful. It's like in every ounce of my being that somehow I've arrived at a point where I do not use vices in the way I used to. Because for me, it's whack-a-mole. You know, when I was a kid, it was food. And then I got old enough and then it could become schoolwork and achieving A's. That was my drug of choice. And then at some point that stopped working and I used relationships. And then I found alcohol in college. And then we all know a few phrases like off to the races. I was definitely running. But I just wanted to share that it's not fixed for me, my journey. Because if it was fixed, it would mean like I have a story that's true. And I just think so much of recovery is about perception. And it just keeps changing for me. And I'm very tired and a little emotional, but I'm trying to keep it really real. Because another thing that gets brought out in my recovery is how do I stop performing my recovery? Mm -hmm. How do I not do it so it feels good and pretty? And I'll tell you, today has been one of the best days and one of the most high octane days. Like my recovery feels really good and bad today. (laughs) Half the battle for so many is just even having that level of clarity with your own feelings. So like hats off to you for taking that much time and focus and inventory of like, how does it feel today? Because it's easy to wash things over like, cool, okay, the drugs, alcohol are gone, like I'm chilling. And no, you have how many intricate layers to really examine like how you're feeling and how you're taking it and to not take it for granted. And you mentioned, you know, some of those days, like being a bit hard on yourself that like, you know, why can't you just get it together? What do you tell Mercy in those times? Oh, man, I actually rely on other people to tell me, tell me the truth. So like it is my network and my community of, of it's sober folks. It's also like sober allies, individuals who I just know, know who I actually am. And I rely almost completely, not on their validation, like make me feel good, but on their reminders continuously of who I am. Because in those particular moments, the isolation or the feeling not good enough or the whatever, I need voices like an Alyssa who somehow manages to run this whole event operationally. <laughs> do all the social media at the same time and, you know, bring me back to center. But it's not all other people. I think a lot of times for you, and I know for a lot of people, it's like you see where you're at in the reflection of who you're dealing with. Like if depending on like how you're treating them, how they're reacting to you, really, it's just like, that's more about your behavior. So thank you. Yeah. Alyssa, over to you. Tell me a little bit Ooh, about your over journey. Over to me. I just celebrated four years of sobriety and at the end of July. Thank Ooh. you. And you guys have confetti shooting off? Where's the tech department? Um, we it. still have some dope <laughs> in my fridge, so maybe we can bust that out on camera if need be. Love for it. me, it's been... This is dope cookie dough for anybody listening. It's cookie dough, not another kind of dope. Yes, yes. We're still... Actually, D-O-U-G-A-T. <laughs> let's actually do that. I mean, if it's okay by you, Kelsey, for so many people at Sober Voices, they have some idea maybe of who we are, but they might not know about your mm. company. Can we do a mini interlude before yes. we hop in? You okay with that? I thought you were going to make me get the cookie dough, so yes, that's better. That makes more sense. Quick dope break. Yes. And good explanation moment. And for the spelling there, we've got uh, D-O-U-G-H-P. It is 
an edible and bakeable cookie dough company that is focused around mental health and addiction recovery. I started the business after getting sober myself and now have really wrapped everything we do around trying to raise more awareness around the topic, raise funds for nonprofits that work in the space, and really a lot around what we do as an employer for our staff to bring their full selves to work as a recovery-friendly workplace. So this is my vibe and entrepreneur land, sober land, and somehow have fused into one. So thanks for having me on. And yes, if you're hungry for some dope, it's dope.com. And we have a sober birthday box to help bring the celebration of sober anniversaries up to the level like we all celebrate our regular birthdays. So thanks for the dope interlude there. Now people know. (laughs) Yes, people need to know. Well, I can jump back into my story. So four years, really what I want to hit on and is just, it's been a constant evolution. And, you know, we were doing a different interview recently and Mercy referred to recovery as as like a kaleidoscope instead of a a spectrum. But this idea that it's just constantly evolving, regardless of like what your recovery path is. For me, four years ago, this journey started for me finally walking into an Al-Anon meeting, which I had known I needed to do for a long, long time, but really took me moving across the country from my family to do. I have a parent and a sibling that have struggled with alcohol use. I, I'm trying not to label anyone else an alcoholic anymore because it's not up to me to, to give them a label, but it just put me through a lot in my life. And I you know, had that moment, I think a lot of people have when they walk into a space like that of just like collective, like full emotional body release (laughs) of knowing that's where I needed to be and um, started this process of unpacking like my lack of boundaries and my codependency issues. So I lovingly refer to myself sometimes as a recovering codependent. At this time, I'd moved to Austin away from my family. And I was also in a new city where I didn't know almost anyone. And I was drinking more than I had in like five years. And so at a certain point, about like six months in, these two things kind of crashed into each other, like spending a lot of time, money and energy on drinking when that's not why I like moved across the country to like start a new chapter. And also realizing that it had never been a positive thing in my life. It had actually vastly limited the potential of two people I really care about. And I had really realized I'd put myself in this dynamic in my family where I felt like for years it was up to me to like love that person harder or like show up more and that I was the one that could make a difference and like choosing to actually just like physically leave and then like mentally leave that obligation. And then the other part, you know, talking about the evolution for that first year, you know, I didn't identify as like an alcoholic. So I wasn't like going to meetings or like going to therapy, trying to build other coping skills. Like I didn't fill that empty space with anything else. So I got to one year of sobriety and I just felt more lazy and anxious than I'd ever been in my entire life. And I know I had other friends that were sober through other routes who were like these like glowing versions of themselves. Sometimes like after doing some really difficult self-work that I had not been willing to do or think that I had to. And so it was this realization, like, regardless of why you make this decision in your life, like you're choosing to live differently. Some of the work is the same regardless. And, you know, the other step for me was like, you know, I had another chapter, like for a long time, I didn't have any sober people in my life. I didn't know that sober community was something I needed, was available to me. And eventually I like ended up walking into Sands Bar in Austin and um, started making some sober friends. My experience hearing this story was like, wait, hold on. You stopped drinking. Why? Like, because to (laughs) me, I was like, wait, like there was no flames and like, it was internal. Mm -hmm. It was internal storms. 
And like recovery can come from internal experiences. And I didn't know because we really do come from two siloed worlds of recovery. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that experience, but I, I really started to feel this idea of like, we can choose it. It can be thrust upon us and we choose it because there is no other option. And there's probably like 50 other ways we come like, right? Well, for me, like I will say, you know, it was different. You know, it was a lot of my relationships, but it, it felt like there wasn't a sustainable option for me to continue on the path I was like just emotionally. I'd been a part of like multiple interventions, like different like bottoms where I was the one that was always there for them with non-judgment. Like it was, I just like emotionally, it was taxing on me too much. I would have periods then where I like couldn't even look at this person like calling me without crying. Like there was just no like healthy detachment of my own boundaries. It was so roped, like wrapped up in their outcomes. And you know, the other The other evolution, I think for me, especially in building sober voices, you know, it started during the pandemic, like just as an idea. And I had a lot of time and space at that time in my life. And I was like, you know, I'm down to work hard at something positive and it's just evolved so much. And what we have gotten out of just like building this event and connecting with every single speaker, over 80 speakers, like actually spending time with them on the phone, hearing about what their goals are, hearing their recovery stories. It's just like brought in my idea of what recovery even is. And to go from where I was four years ago of like someone introducing me as like sober and being like, but not like that, to now just being like, who gives a shit what it, what the reason or the word is, you know, it's important to honor everyone's story, but it's just so much more layered than that. 100%. Okay, getting off my little soap. I love now. it. No, I mean, that's what this whole conversation, like the conversation around the term, right? Like this, the term alcoholic or sober or recovery even. And, you know, SAMHSA has a definition of recovery that is mainly around uh, choosing to live a more self-directed life. And it's kind of exactly what you guys were talking about, that this idea that it doesn't have to be this one thing that fits in this one box that all had the same way you got there and all have the same way you go out. It's your personal choice to live a more self-directed life. And how does that come for you? You know, like, what does that look like for you is totally different for each person. And what if we could remove judgment and just be excited that that person wants to be more badass every day? Like, F yeah, you know, but like, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Being able to, yeah live a more self-directed life. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, you know, where the podcast is Soberpreneur, like, you know, each of us are operating our own businesses. I'm even recognizing and Mercy's pointing out to me, like I have a lot of stuff I need to look at with like overworking or like letting things pile up is almost like a form of self-harm. Like it's just a continual opportunity to look at yourself. Well, this is hitting something that we've been talking about a lot is like, there's a lot of dopamine there's a lot of like actual spikes in the brain with work. And I wish that could be acknowledged more the like the highs of work that I've experienced. There is actually probably not much fundamental difference chemically from moments I've been actually high. And that's what that's my experience. I'm not saying this like clinically, like this is what happens. But, you know, as we're trying to find sponsors so that we're able to go and create this speaker base, there's always this feeling of, like there's just a cliffhanger moment in every part of building the business. And it's like, what's next? And mm-hmm. all of that excitement, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You can even enjoy it once you get it. It's like <laughs> on to the next yeah. thing. Yeah. It's yeah. happening. We're just like, you were like in it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, where's the savoring? Because to me, recovery is savoring. You savor moments. You're present for the moments. There's no future tripping for the good and the bad. It's just being with you. Yeah. It's so hard in entrepreneurship, these like highs and lows. And I say it's literally 
by the hour, like you can have the highest, even the day we found out we were in the Inc 5000 and it's like, oh my God, we're like literally, like you said, actually high, like the amount of adrenaline that's rushing through, like you just cannot believe it. You're like, what's going on? And then two hours later, like, oh, a retailer we thought we were going to land said no. And it's like, oh my God, everything's falling apart. Like the business is going to fail. You're just on this roller coaster. And so it takes like real conscious effort, real routine, real focus on having that mindfulness around celebrate the good stuff that did happen. Take the time I've gotten into a great routine journaling every morning. And so it's a nice like reflection on like, you know, with some time and I slept on it, how did I feel about what went down yesterday? And like, how can you talk to yourself in a more kind, empathetic way about it that next morning? And that's helped a ton. I think the other thing is as the business in the early days, like very much, like you mentioned, you're almost like chasing that next high and almost throwing yourself into work where it becomes a new addiction. It's like, I stopped drinking. And then a year and a half or so later, I started this company and that was my new thing. Like now I just eat, sleep, breathe, like exclusively talk about this company and finding the balance is when I think of, you know, finding your flow as a soberpreneur, it is like really being conscious about how you're going to check in. What do you guys think when you think of being in your flow? Like when do things feel good for you guys running the business and checking in? I mean, I think for me, one of the, there's so many gifts of us working together, but to work with people in recovery, the opportunity to process things quickly and like both of us being pretty self-aware it's just like it, self-aware people don't call themselves self-aware. Oh Are we self-aware? Maybe I, I guess it. I'm not. I'll take it back. <laughs> so people Completely think I'm not <laughs> That's awesome though. But it, you know, when there's moments where it's so easy for us to process things. Yeah. You really talk about your feelings. It's like, you know, dating or marrying someone who's like really able to communicate world of difference than, you know, if one party's really shut off. So not only you guys as partners, but the business you know, folks you're connecting with are also usually pretty tapped in. So that's a nice, nice world to live in. Yeah, you, I, really what you just said reminded me and also what you said is that finding flow inside of a entrepreneurial duo. And Kelsey, I know you're CEO, but I would also say you're in a duo. But like, you tell me if I'm wrong. This idea of like the flow isn't just within me. It's not just my mindfulness practices and my self-love and my kind talking to myself. It's how do I bring all of that into a partnership with someone else? And it's really funny. My fiance is coming today and we like, we joke, we're like a thruple because we're such a friendship and such a ease that he brings, like just naturally, like very much mm -hmm. a flow. And that's something I'm trying to learn how to also create in our one-on-one -on -one dynamic because I'm not easygoing. And all the parts of my, you know, what I would identify as part of my like addiction is like seeking to control, seeking to be good enough so as not to be abandoned or judged. And when I work from that fear-based place, a partnership does not flow. And also, I think I do a good job sometimes of not doing that, but I'm not sure, you, you know, job. Yeah. Alyssa is the most easygoing, flowy human. So I'm hoping and, I'm good. And part of that's like me being too flowy and then putting her in the position too many times sometimes of like having to be the decision maker, come up with like directives for us, you know, and we have to allow, allow moderation in that space for like yeah. me giving her room to like have the ideas and her also creating space for me not to just be like responding yeah. and saying, I'll do that. Kelsey, how does it work? You inside of your company, when you think about flow with other people, whether it's like teammates, colleagues, partners, 
Yeah. And just real quickly, I'll add to, I think like something from even personal life that's helped us is joined dope as co-CEO. So we do run this as a little duo and we have like a weekly check-in and this is a great relationship tip in general. It's 10 minutes uninterrupted from one side, the other side's like note taking as they go, paraphrase back what you heard. And, you know, and then the other side gets to do it. And it's just a really nice, like open walls are down enough time has passed from anything that did happen during the week, like notate it and save it for the check-in. Highly recommend it. It's great, you know, for a marriage, but it's also great for if you take it into the business context and think about like, you know, hey, Alyssa, you know, from Mercy, like, could we get together for a once a week check-in and be able to have that like walls down talk about how you feeling? Did anything throw you off this week? Sometimes we brush stuff under the rug and it's like if enough weeks, months, years pass and you've been brushing something under the rug that was bothering you, it's a good clear the air side of things. So I think I love like really practical tips. So I'm sorry if this feels too practical, but you asked about what we do at Dope. And for my own mental health and to stay stay grounded and to set a good example for my team too, I deleted Slack and email off my phone. Someone just probably screamed, but I don't have Slack and email on my phone. I know it sounds shocking. And that has been amazing. When I go down to eat lunch now in the middle of the day, I actually eat my lunch. I was like literally for the last X years, it's like, you're just right on your phone while you're eating. And then it's like, oh, I got to jump to the next meeting. I'm like notorious for the science experiment of my food that's been sitting out for five hours because I couldn't finish it. And now it's like, no, where I am and what I'm doing is what I'm doing. And so like, if I'm not at my computer, I'm not working. And if I'm at my computer, I'm working. So there have been exceptions, like I'm, I'm traveling this week. So I did need it on, on there. But man, in like the normal life of just the work from home grind, if anybody's running their business from home, like it's really hard to make that boundary of when you're going to stop. And similarly to let my team have their flow and feel good and feel grounded, um, not getting pinged by the CEO at, you know, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. is is helpful. You know, they don't want to be getting those and everyone can't help but feel like, oh, I got to get back to it right now. So same thing with vacation. If you take a vacation, like really take the vacation. Didn't respond to one email, one Slack and nothing died. You know, the company will live on and that's really hard to see when you're just like in it and so focused. But I see some giggles. You guys know it's, yeah. it's I hard. I looking at me. <laughs> no, I think that's, I love the practical advice. We are, you know, once this event is done, as you can imagine, a, an event is great because it's like a short container, but there's so much work that has to happen to lead up to that. And this is the second event Mercy and I have worked on together. And the first one, like, wasn't within sobriety, it was a different event, but it depleted us both, like, emotionally and physically. And, like, I experienced burnout for the first time ever. And it was very humbling. I'd always like heard about it from everyone else, thought it would never happen to me. I'm just like, I could just work forever. But if you think about flow too, it's like there are going to be times where you fail at some of these things. And like part of the flow is like absorbing that and learning from it and trying to like move forward. So after this event, you know, we would like to shift things where, you know, we have to get to a place where we aren't on Zoom all day long on and off together. And it's going to change. You know, we're not going to be communicating as much. There's probably some codependency stuff there that I'll have to work on, but to get to a space where you can just check in and have that 10 minute check in. I like that a lot. And that's just what that is for. It's your little review for the week. Yeah. Can be so helpful. You're going to have more constructive feedback. (laughs) I love it. Another thing that's relating to this, you know, you guys needed to take a break and the burnout. It's like, 
I find there's a lot of CEO guilt out there where you do have the time all of a sudden where it's not so crazy and like everything's not falling down and there's not a fire today. And at two o'clock, you're like, okay, I'm actually pretty caught up today. You, of course, there's never ending work. You, of course, could start the next thing or the next project, but like, just take it, you know, just, can you go, can you leave? Can you go see a movie? Like Alyssa, I know you snuck out to see a movie the other day. I was like, go girl. Those are what it's about. When you can, you take like that little bit of time for yourself and not feel guilty about it. Cause it's so easy to just press through and be like, no, I got to keep working. And then it's another six, 7 PM night till you log off. And then you go through these periods of time where it is really intense. There's no entrepreneur out there that's going to say, I've never worked a 12 hour day. Cause like, you know, a 15 hour day or whatever it took. Sometimes it's like that. So it's another roller coaster of like, know that there are going to be really intense times. But when you find yourself in a little bit more of the normalcy, just do it, take off at 5 PM or whenever you're done with the day and like, just be okay with it. And that has, that mental shift helped a lot where I give myself the grace for knowing that there were those really hard times and I should just take a breather when I can. I want to ask you guys about recovery and sort of, you know, we've talked about the stigma a little bit. And one of Dope's goals, taking the stigma out of addiction recovery. You know, we'll start with Alyssa this time. What's one thing you wish people knew about it? One of our speakers, Taryn Strong, who I know you know too, had a session at her first event where she talked about how like we are all recovering from something. And I like that idea a lot. And, you know, as we continue to build like the sober community, whatever that means to people, like virtually, especially, you know, on social media, in real life, hopefully, like not just on social media. And that's what we're trying to do here, too. I think the goal is, especially as someone who never hit like a rock bottom and isn't here, like identifying as an addict, showing up in the space, the goal for me is to make it so that it's welcoming to people who really need life-saving help to not feel as othered. So I don't, that might be a bad answer to your question, but I think when I think about recovery, that's what I want people to know. It's not always good. We make it look really good on Instagram sometimes. There are a lot of positives, but I think the goal isn't to just like make it a hunky-dory looking space. It's just to make it a welcoming space and make it easy for people to like find where they're supposed to go, where their people are. Yeah. I love that so much. It's not that everything's going to be perfect. It's that you get a shot to deal with it. You know, I think it's like you get a fighting chance at like going through it all, but a lot of the same things will still hit the fan. You save yourself on a few, but you know, you're still going to have problems. It's just, you get a chance to go through it in a better way. It's awesome. It was the perfect answer. You did great. <laughs> a plus. You're you spoke good. from the heart. <laughs> That's such a good question. You know, I say this sometimes that like addiction gets medicalized. And in my experience, I see it as medicalized. But if I think of addiction, like almost symbolically as this idea of like more, like this idea of more and like more, if I can channel that idea of more into positive things, I'm able to like sometimes, and I think a lot of folks who might identify as addicts or in recovery or from something can relate to this idea of if I am in a good place, that idea of more could be channeled to exercise, spiritual disciplines, beautiful business you know, like I fill my calendar, but with like good stuff, not just like, there's just this idea of like more is not always bad. I think the stigma comes from that idea of like no control, but when we start to come into recovery and there's still that part of my brain where it's like, what's next, what's next. I think that can be channeled really positively. And some of the hardest working, most successful, most like compassionate people I know may or may not have had an addiction at some point or still. And I just feel like it is such a human quality that can be 
I don't know. There's an aspect of it that can be channeled positively. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, what are you putting that energy towards? You know, and it was just going towards the wrong stuff before. And then now it gets released and it's, you know, soberpreneur. I've got a lot of sober entrepreneurs I've been able to interview on this. It's not only for people in recovery. I'm supposed to just be the sober entrepreneur, but it turned out like, wow, I've met an amazing amount of people who are killer entrepreneurs. And it's like you're saying, they had all of this to channel. And it was just now that it's going towards a business, you know, they have a fighting shot at making something really great. It's a similar, similar personality type that we all have very different journeys into this world. Let's jump into our next section. I didn't even tell you guys about this. We're going to do our mental health recipe card. So we know that mental health is critical to running a business, but often in conversations on how to be successful, it's missing. I think we've gotten to touch on how important it is in this conversation a little bit. And for me, have my own personal recipe for mental health. And so my ingredients on it, like meditation and getting up at 5am every day, we stuck with this literally seven day a week routine to have some structure in my life and get that reset moment in the morning. How many times a week can I get my workout in and having that grace with like, how perfect was I at getting all my ingredients in? Can I get three of the seven? Can I get four of the seven and being easy on myself? So let's toss it to you guys. What ingredients are on your mental health recipe cards? The one that comes to mind immediately for me is my dog and spending quality time with Nugget at Hug the Nug on Instagram. Am I a shameless dog mom? Maybe. <laughs> Wait, we need the handle again just to make sure everyone heard it. At Hug the Nug. I'm really hoping this is the moment his account takes off. My dog. He's blown up. <laughs> Let us plug Pet Happiness Hour because that is an event that comes up on Sunday, we believe. It's an open forum for folks to share how their pet has played a role in their mental health journey. And I just cannot stress enough that time with some being that I believe unconditionally loves me. You know, I know I'm unconditionally loved by a lot of people in my life, but I'm, my ability to receive that is <laughs> super low. With my dog, <laughs> it is like an instant instant experience of being unconditionally loved. And I would say that's actually like maybe the only thing that is like a non-negotiable on my recipe card is like time with animals. And I've never said that out loud. So just processing that, but cannot stress enough for me how important that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's coming to mind for me is like more on, I don't know, on a zoomed out level, I think just like a humility check sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring this up Marissa's going to be like, you need to quit bringing this quote up in, in interviews. I'm not going to say But that. I was listening to an interview once and I heard someone say, like, treat everything as if it's the only thing that matters, knowing ultimately it doesn't matter at all. And I love this idea, like, showing up and trying to add value to everything you do, but knowing in, like, the grand scheme of things, we are literally all ants in the universe. <laughs> and, like, a lot of what we're doing is not life or death. And I've been in that place where, you know, you're so overworked or you're, like, in a bad relationship you're trying to make work, anything like that, where your world becomes so small that, like, stressors start to feel like life or death to your brain and your body. And this, like, like today, <laughs> like today. <laughs> No, we had, we had our moments today, but for me, that just gives you like showing up matters and we all have the opportunity to make a difference to each other, like in the moment every single day. But at the same time, like on a macro level, like it's not going to make or break you physically or like in your life. And that gives me permission. Like in the last year, it's like, I have less like stage fright or when I'm interviewing people, I'm not as nervous. I'm just like, these are all just human. We're all just human beings trying our best. And I think the last year plus has really broken a lot of us down, like into knowing that. Mm. And I felt that because like 
the pandemic for me started with like losing my stepmom and like it happened like the day when everything announced, but it was a check on how little control I had over some things in my life. And now I'm like, that's kind of nice to like release that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Like what a nice like pause to just look at it. I love that it had the side of like, yes, do your best. It's not saying like F everything, nothing matters and we're all going to die. It's like do your best, but also it gives you that little like safety net of like, if it doesn't work out though, it's like this thing, yeah. it's okay. You know, it's just, it's not, you know, life or death, like you said. Yeah, it's like do your best because we're all going to die someday. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's not dark. Like it's, yeah, everything's finite. That gives it perspective and yeah. Yes. It definitely gives a perspective. Okay. Last thing. Raw truth game. Another thing I didn't tell you guys was coming. We're going to do a raw truth game to reveal some raw truths about you two. I almost want to do it like the newlywed thing and make you answer for the other (laughs) person. (laughs) Because you guys know each other so well. (laughs) Okay. We'll do this rapid fire. I'll pick one and then the other. So Mercy, what is your biggest guilty pleasure? Am I answering for a list or for myself? It's up to you guys. How how good you are. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, do it. I love it. What's Elizabeth's biggest guilty pleasure? Watching Manifest. <laughs> I'm at uh, binge watching hours of television a day. Literally <laughs> watching so many hours of television. She knows more about pop culture than anyone. Okay, well, this one is suiting. How would Mercy's friends describe her? Mm. Powerful. I vouch for that. <laughs> and with, with, with her flip. With incredible dance moves. This is also facts. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, Mercy, tell me what is the thing that makes Alyssa the happiest? Honestly, it's seeing other people happy and amplified. Like, I don't know anyone who genuinely, first off, I just want to say something about social media and our profile and on Instagram. If you can't feel it, please go to it. Every single post has been created by her by hand. And it is like, with exquisite agony. She's like, how do I best highlight this person? How should we describe their session? There's just such reverence for uplifting people. And there's so much happiness she gets from other people being happy, not codependence. Like it's just pure, pure love of other people. And it is such a gift to work with someone that you know to the core is good and kind. Can you tell we're sleep deprived? I'm saying the <laughs> kindest, truest oh, thing about sweet. you that you've never heard from my mouth before now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. More rapid on this one. What is one thing that Mercy can't live without? It's nugget. <laughs> it's yes. Second hug the nug. At hug the nug on Instagram. Here, <laughs> another plug. Oh my dog. It is her dog, and that's why it is a little bit sad that the dog is absolutely more attached to her fiance Jim. <laughs> But she, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine her without her dog. That's like a weird thing to say about a person, but they're like a a package deal in my brain. I love it so much. Also, I just want to comment to Mercy. I'm still processing like how sweet that just was about Alyssa. So kind. So, so nice. You guys have such a good partnership. It's awesome to see it continue to blossom. So love it. And we got a second plug for Nug. (laughs) <laughs> so that's gonna be amazing. Um, I want to see his social followers spike up to this. You know how much self control it's taken to not open my phone and check if my Instagram is different. It is all my self control. <laughs> so funny. Okay, we're swapped now onto Mercy. Tell me what is one thing Alyssa could live without? Meat. She is vegan, and except for dessert, including cooking. Yeah. <laughs> And also, you know, we have one exception. 
she is also one of those people who like, I really think could do, oh, pop culture. Do you say couldn't do without or could do without? Could live without. Yeah, it's just meat. That's the only thing. You're really vegan, like mostly, almost. I could not live without television. <laughs> could not live without television. Yeah, I was going to go to pop culture. She needs like six shows a day. It's like some sort of nutritional thing. <laughs> I'm just impressed you have so much time. Like we don't have it's gonna become a road. <laughs> we don't even have a television in our house anymore. So I'm like the last person for pop culture. Like people are like, have you seen that show? I'm like, if it wasn't a Zoom call, didn't see it <laughs> pretty much. It's but not I love as much, it. Yeah. Not as much lately, but yeah. yeah, for for a long time, like when I had a regular, when I had another job out, other than this, it was like, you know, during my lunch break in the evenings in the morning while I got ready. But sobriety did help with that because I think part of that was just like learning how to spend time alone with myself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that I used to just fill with like music or TV shows. Yeah. Yeah so easy to just like fill the time show or TikTok or whatever it is. And then you're like, Oh, where did that like hour and a half go? So learning to sit with yourself. So huge. Okay. We're almost to the last one. I think I am on Alyssa. Tell me what gets mercy out of bed in the morning. Mm, A meeting. There was a chance to say nugget. Nugget literally gets her out of bed in the morning, but I know that I know that you start most of your days with meetings. Yeah. I'm down for any type of meeting recovery meeting. Even I call people who I know are in recovery and like meet with a single individual. You're absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. And Zoom meetings. Like sometimes we have like the best thing. It's like Christmas Eve the night before, you know, you're going to talk to someone who might be a speaker or. But in, even yeah. this morning, you know, where, you know, for anyone listening to this later, like this is the first day of our live event, you know, over 60 sessions. I woke up and came out to the house and heard her clapping, but she was in a meeting with newcomers celebrating like their day counts. And like, what a perfect way to start the day today and just good perspective. But I think that's, yeah. Love it. Love it. That was amazing. And I love the swap of having you guys answer for each other. For anybody that's going to be listening to this on the Soberpreneur platform, I'd love to let you both plug, where can they get in touch with you guys? Where can they find the latest events you're putting out or what you're up to and just get looped in? Yeah. Our general website is SoberVoices.co. If you're tuning into this during the month of October, the event site is flow.SoberVoices.co. And that's where our entire virtual event lives. We are millennials. We are primarily on Instagram um, at Sober Voices. We are looking forward we are, we are to joining the yes, TikTok. We are looking for an 18-year-old to teach us how to TikTok, please. Because <laughs> we both can dance. It's really a shame that we don't know how to use the interface. <laughs> So funny. I feel like every millennial is like, if I had just been born a few years before, like I would have been TikTok famous, but ah, it's just too hard. But absolutely confusing. We got to find someone to train us. I'm with you guys there. Well, extra special thanks for having me as part of this event and for you guys coming on Soberpreneur. I'm so happy that this amazing conversation will live on. You both are so in touch with your own journeys and with those around you. You are such gems to the recovery community and I'm so grateful to call you friends of mine. So thank you for sharing a bit of your learnings and advice and and just genuine badassery. That's what it's all about. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Total honor to always be whenever we can be with you. And we will continue to eat all of the dope cookie dough that has been sent our way. That's it. We got some calls to action. Follow Nug, hug the Nug, buy some dope cookie dough, hook up with Mercy and Alyssa on Instagram because we're millennials. And that's it. That's the road to happiness right there. 
Three, yeah. three techniques. Here we go. Thanks <laughs> so much, it. everyone. This was such a pleasure. And thank you again, Kelsey. Everyone enjoy the rest of their day. Bye, guys. Have a dope day. <laughs> See you. To the listeners out there, I hope you're feeling inspired to go out and make a change in the world. Until next time, I'm Kelsey, and that was Dope's Soberpreneur. Keep it raw. Keep it real. But wait, there's more. Are you drooling after all this cookie dough talk? Jump over to dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com to order some of our edible and bakeable cookie dough. You can use code keepitreal for 10% off at checkout. Thanks and have a dope day.